Welcome to the Jump Off Point, Crypto Edition. On our first formal episode in our new crypto series, Jump Capital partner and crypto co-lead Saurabh Sharma interviews the founder of one of the largest projects on Solana, Sabre, the automated market maker making serious waves throughout the ecosystem. Before we dive into this incredible conversation, a quick word regarding our new crypto podcast episodes from your hosts and crypto co-leads here at Jump Capital, Peter Johnson and Saurabh Sharma. A big hello to all crypto believers, crypto intriguers, and even the crypto skeptics. My name is Saurabh Sharma, partner at Jump Capital, where I'm co-leading the crypto investing effort, and I'm very excited to launch Jump Capital's Crypto Native podcast series, where we intend to dive deep in everything crypto and hopefully unlock an incremental channel for your crypto education. A quick intro on Jump Capital. We are a nine-year-old venture capital firm investing in application software, fintech, IT and data infrastructure, and digital media. And I've also been an early investor in the crypto space, where we started investing almost seven years ago. My partner in crime, Peter, can add more color to our crypto journey so far. Hey, everyone. This is Peter Johnson, and I co-lead Jump's crypto investing strategy. We've been investing in crypto companies and projects since 2015, and have invested in over 40 leaders in the space, from international exchanges like Bitso and CoinDCX, to DeFi projects like ZeroX and Sabre, to blockchain infrastructure plays like Eden. Recently, we've also been actively investing in DAOs, gaming, and NFT platforms. As me and Peter thought about the content for this podcast series, we realized that given our backgrounds in fintech and computing infrastructure, we sit at a unique vantage point of being a great voiceover between TradFi to DeFi, Web2 to Web3, and distributed systems to decentralized systems. Our hope is to both educate a broader audience who are still learning about the space, as well as dive deeper into areas like technical nuances of protocols, market structure, and macro perspectives. In this new podcast series on crypto, we'll be talking to leading founders, builders, and investors to share their knowledge and explore the space together, enabling all audiences to stay ahead of the curve in this rapidly developing space. Saurabh, my co-host, is kicking it off with a great guest today. And next episode, I'll be chatting with the founder of DeFi's most notorious incubator. So hit subscribe, stay tuned, and reach out to us with any feedback or suggestions on topics or guests. All right. Super excited to have you as our guest on our first crypto native podcast, Dylan. I must say, what a journey for Saber. Uh, obviously, quite talked about project on Solana, highest TVL DAP. I think uh, even today, getting close to 3 billion. Uh, you guys obviously reached peak at, uh, at kind of high end of the market. I think you, took, you did touch 4 billion at that point. Yep. Um, so, so, pretty phenomenal. And I think you're you're somewhat of a case study on how to do things right in the DeFi ecosystem, at least in my view. We will talk more about that later, but let's start with your background and journey to crypto. Uh, how did it start? And as they say, how did you get into the crypto rabbit hole? <laughs> for sure, yeah. Yeah, thanks for the introduction. Thanks for the kind words. Yeah, it definitely is a rabbit hole, I'd say. I think anyone in crypto can, can empathize with that. I got in during the 2017 cycle, so I was living in Austin at the time, and there are a lot of crypto companies out there, um, like crypto funds, like, like Multicoin. So Kyle from Multicoin, he actually used to host a meetup in Austin. Um, that was kind of like my first like 
sort of like learning about like, you know, what's kind of happening, um, learning about Ethereum, the idea you could like actually program things on top of the blockchain. You know, back then, like I was familiar with like Bitcoin and, and then Dogecoin. My brother and co-founder Ian, he actually was like buying Dogecoin back in like 2014. And so, yeah, I kind of fed on the rabbit hole first as, as an investor and then started kind of building uh, along with Ian. So Ian started this project called Abacus while he was still at uh, Austin. And yeah, I was doing like tokenized securities. I ended up joining the team for a bit. Uh, and yeah, sort of was my start in, in crypto. That's awesome. And both of you went to UD Austin? Uh, yes. So I went for actually one year. And so uh, Ian was a senior at the time. And so he got into Y Combinator for that Abacus uh, startup, the crypto startup. So I ended up like basically like dropping out of school kind of and, and joining him on that. I did not know that. All right. <laughs> well, for the audience, uh, could you give an overview on Sabre? What is it and uh, what are its kind of main use cases today at least? For sure. Yeah, so Sabre is a AMM on Solana. Uh, so automated market maker. Essentially what it does is it provides liquidity for people to easily swap between different stable pairs of assets. So like the most common stable pairs like USD peg stable coins. Uh, so like USDC and, and USDT, for example, as the biggest ones, but supporting like any kind of like assets that are similarly priced. You know, for example, like stake soul, people who are, are staking into Solana um, network and basically want like a liquid like representative token uh, in order to like, easily swap between that's like staked version and, and the normal soul. You know, we, we have pools for Bitcoin, for uh, other kinds of assets and yeah, we're really focused on like a cross-chain uh, asset approach. So you know, right now we have assets that are bridged directly from a bunch of different chains. So like, obviously Solana, Ethereum, Celo, BSC, Terra, and, and a lot more coming. You know, Sabre probably was one of the first at scale, you know, DAP on Solana. And in my opinion, a very high value use case, uh, you know, stablecoin swap. But by the way, I must say it was a great idea to change the name from stable swap. I think when we met, <laughs> uh, but, but in some sense, it is also a very good example to kind of showcase an in production, you know, Solana value prop in terms of speed and fees. Uh, this is mm. an activity, uh, you know, every crypto native person goes through, uh, you know, stable swapping. And, and it kind of showcases how, how seamless it could be on Solana. How did you make that call to build on Solana? Because you also had done some work on Celo, as you mentioned, and I'm sure you checked on other L1s, maybe L2s, which I don't, I, I don't know if there anyone was alive at the time. But how did you sort of decide that you're going to build on Solana? Given you were pretty early in the developer ecosystem of Solana when you started building that. So uh, curious about that choice. For sure. The kind of initial version of Sabre, which, which as you allude to, is called StableSwap, uh, was created as part of like the first Solana hackathon. Uh, so that was like way back in like end of last year, um, I think like November. But back then Solana was even newer than it is now. And so the developer ecosystem was like pretty lacking. You know, like for, for us, like working on Sabre um, or, or StableSwap back then, like it was really just to kind of like try a bunch of different chains, you know, like we had heard like a lot of cool things about Solana from from hearing uh, you know, SBF talk about it, you know, hearing like, oh, like Serum, you know, the idea that you can put order books actually on, on a fully decentralized blockchain. And so, yeah, just just wanted to try it out. But yeah, back then the developer ecosystem or developer experience was just like way too rough <laughs> back then. And so we decided not to build on it back then and, and kind of expand on that a bit. It's because like, you know, the, the way that Solana was designed was to be very sort of like broad and very general. And no one had created like a very opinionated framework yet for, for how to code on, on Solana, code Solana smart contracts. And because of that, like it, it was just like kind of challenging. In, I believe it was like April of this year, uh, was when we found out about Anchor, uh, which is a framework that Armani Ferrante, who's a developer at Alameda, developed. And yeah, that, that was really a more kind of opinionated way of, of writing Solana smart contracts. It was a little bit similar to uh, 
kind of like what we were used to working in Solidity. And so, yeah, I decided at that point, you know, it was time to take a step forward. Uh, we saw Solana as this like, you know, very like uh, high potential ecosystem. Like, you know, definitely people like Alameda, like people like Jump who are investing like heavily into this ecosystem. And yeah, we really just felt like, you know, if we, if we build like good products, especially like right now, like there's the opportunity to build like very core DeFi infrastructure products, uh, the kind of like DeFi blue chips on Ethereum, you know, potentially they could be successful very fast. And yeah, I think that that became true of Saber. And is it fair to say that then you kind of picked up Rust on the way? Because it sounds like you were coding in Solidity and then it was kind of a switch back and then say, let me let me go and uh, start learning and then building along alongside. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, Ian's the main engineer on our team. Yeah, he basically was like wearing Rust like while we were fundraising <laughs> for, for Saber. So yeah, definitely was uh, kind of a challenge at, at first. But yeah, I, I think like Anchor, as I was saying, the, the, the framework Armani created like really like made it easy to, to sort of slip into the Solana ecosystem. That's amazing. You know, we are all big fans of Solana here and obviously amazed by its growth. But taking maybe a bit of an objective view uh, where Solana is today and now you've been working with it for some time, what do you think are some of still the pitfalls and maybe opportunities, maybe a better word for Solana to improve upon the developer ecosystem, the developer tooling, and then also to be serving uh, you know, broader and more sort of complex use cases? Yeah. I mean, I guess the elephant in the room is like the Solana network going down a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Like I, I think, you know, obviously like Solana is like still in, in you know, main at beta mode. Like there's still a lot of like bugs that need to, to, to be fixed and, and just in general, like things that like, you know, coming from like a developer standpoint, it's like, you know, code has bugs inevitably. And, you know, it's all about like finding the most important like bugs to solve first. And then, you know, from there, like iterating really fast in it. And so like, I think Solana actually is like doing the right thing in terms of launching something that, you know, is in beta mode. It's not perfect. And, you know, they, they make it very clear as well. That's not perfect. But yeah, that's definitely a sort of challenge that, that needs to be fixed over time. And apart from that too, is like a lot of people talk about like RPC node infrastructure. So like the Solana blockchain itself is very fast. I and mean, you can see that actually on the blockchain, like it handles like tons of transactions per second. But a lot of times when there's these like hype, like uh, NFT drops or, or say like, you know, some like token, like IDO uh, that happens, like the Solana network, like apps on Solana, like basically halt and like you can't do anything. Um, and that's really due to this like RPC infrastructure, which essentially is these like servers that, that are communicating with the blockchain in order to give you like the data and, and allow you to actually transact on Solana. And so, yeah, I've talked to a lot of like good teams, uh, people even coming from like very traditional like server architecture background and be like, hey, you know, like we see a lot of value in, in solving this problem. Uh, so I'm pretty bullish as well on, on that problem getting fixed like pretty soon. Yeah, and then uh, apart from that, um, I guess you're just talking about like pitfalls. You know, there, there's sort of like a, I would say like bias towards like building things that are like really complicated right now. You know, like, there's a lot of builders right now on, on Solana, but still like not too many products that have actually launched uh, successfully. And so I would say like, you know, like there's no, no shame in like kind of like building out these primitives right now. Like, I think if you basically like look at like what's, what's working Ethereum as like core primitives and take them to Solana, like there already be like a ton better because they're built in Solana and therefore you don't have to worry about like gas fees. The, the user experience can be a lot more like uh, elegant. And so, yeah, I would say definitely uh, would like more people to focus kind of on these primitives and from there transition to like these like more complicated features. Yeah, no, all, all all that makes sense. You know, one of the other things we hear a lot, uh, which I think is you probably agree, is the the security audit backlog. Given given the smart contract exposure risk, I think that's that's a challenge. And obviously, Solana being relatively new on the block, maybe somewhat less standardized kind of modules out there. I think that's probably another challenge a lot of people face, and both both for shipping fast, but then also making you know a, a secure a secure framework out there. Definitely. Yeah. And, and that's something too, that we, we've been kind of actively trying to, to work on as well. Like how can we basically like package 
more of these like protocols that would be similar across like all different like blockchain apps in a way that's more standardized and you know that way like the thing gets audited once like it's very common like a theory of you know you have like the synthetics like uh, liquidity mining contract for example that like yeah. everyone uses um, a lot of, of open zeppelin type contracts out there on ethereum as well yep exactly so yeah definitely trying to help push that as well you know j- j- just on that topic of what you mentioned uh you know the ethereum apps and kind of scaling that in solana i mean there has been a good amount of decent debate also publicly on twitter as well on the ethereum teams complaining about solana projects copying ethereum projects which to me, it's just so antithesis to this whole open source, open finance moniker. But curious on your views on that and uh, how have you responded to or how have you kind of maybe replied back to those folks? Yeah, Solana is in like a very uh, unique position as an L1 since it's not EVM compatible. I mean, you can't just like copy, like you literally can't copy and paste like Ethereum, like Solidity code on, onto Solana. You basically have to write everything from scratch. You know, obviously there's things like math that like might be uh, inspired by, by things that, that are from other blockchains. And like the, the main one I'm, I'm referring to is like, you know, a lot of people look at like similarities between like Curve and, and Saber, since both of them are, are stable swaps. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you as well. I think it's like kind of sort of anti the, the open source mentality that, that crypto should be. And yeah, and I would say too, like, yeah, it really isn't copy and pasting since you have to rewrite everything in, in Rust um, in order for it to actually work on Solana. And I think that's also why you're not seeing these like DeFi blue chips uh, come onto Solana right now, because it's, it's just very different. In, unless you like, there's like EVM solutions that have uh, been coming out, like Neon Labs, for example, uh, has created an EVM solution. I think at the end of the day, though, like native apps on Solana will probably perform better. So like, if you have a native app that works like just as good as like a, a uh, EVM based app on Solana, the native app is going to win out. It'll be interesting to see like if people like, you know, Curve, Uniswap, SushiSwap end up actually building on Solana. But until then, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty bullish on like native teams. Yeah, that's right. And I think you still have to solve. I mean, there, there's a, you can get a Kickstarter but that's, that's almost, you can get a Kickstarter many ways, but you have to still solve for your own composability, your own cross-chain bridging uh, challenges, uh, which if you, if you start on, on a Rust, and then as I say, non-EVM Kickstart, it's a very different way to solve those two problems uh, versus going the other way around. So it's kind of like completely opposite. You know, you guys have been uh, pretty exemplary in terms of scaling and shipping fast, you know, launching new tokens and pools. And one of your motto of your team it's been shipped fast. And we've all seen that in your product rollouts. You know, share with the developer audience on how the DNA has helped Saber and how do you balance in terms of stability and security given the exposure here? You know, that's probably one of the biggest worry I'm assuming most developers have to kind of ship something too soon and then have a rug pull or some kind of a situation. And that's, uh, you know, that you have to live it up for a long time. Yeah, on the first point, kind of shipping fast, you know, definitely something that, that we think about a lot. I think a lot of people just like in, in, this is like a start like general startup advice is that like a lot of people like want their first product to be like really perfect. So they spend a lot of time just like working on that one product, you know, like you have like feature like uh, scope creep uh, where you end up like just like building a ton of things. We're really a fan of like, you know, just ship something out fast and, you know, from there, like iterate on it based off, you know, what users are, are saying is like the most important things that they need, you know, obviously fixing bugs. The one thing we don't uh, compromise on though is, is security as you alluded to, I think, you know, when you're dealing with like money, you know, especially like in, with with uh, Saber, right? Like $3 billion, <laughs> like locked in these contracts. Uh, definitely have to be like, very careful about how we approach security. You know, like what, one component of that is audits, but you know, as you said earlier, like there's a huge like backlog right now of, of security audits in Solana, which makes it a little bit challenging to ship fast, but also like, you know, make sure you get audits. And so, you know, what we've been doing is just like peer reviewing with like other developers in, in the space. 
And yeah, apart from that, just like doing like tons of testing ourselves to the point where it's like almost excessive. But yeah, I'd say ship fast, but yeah, ship secure. You know, anyone coming from the Web 2.2 world, Web 2.0 world, a lot of projects there or companies there are trying to go around sort of this product-led growth uh, movement. And I think crypto is the ultimate example of product-led growth. It's, it's really the product. You just put it out there and let the community test it, give you feedback, iterate it. But I think one of the main uh, components of that fast community adoption also, which I think is going to be a big piece of all the crypto products in the future is design. Uh, it's such a crucial part of, uh, of that adoption. I think Saber has done that very well in that area. I mean, can you talk about why is that and, you know, and maybe a little bit about your product design thought process? Yeah, I 100% agree with that sentiment. I would say that, yeah, definitely product-led growth is the, is the way to go. And I think like with, with crypto and especially Solana, like the switching costs are so low. So users like naturally just gravitate to like whatever are the best products right now to use. I think moats in, in crypto are, are just like a lot less than in like general like product development. And in terms of design, like I, I come from a product design background. So for before this, like I was you know, doing design for both crypto startups and, and also just like general like fintech startups. And yeah, we definitely think a lot about like how to like make crypto simpler. A lot of it is just like thinking about your users. Like I think for the initial like versions of Saber, we were definitely thinking of it as for people who are coming from Ethereum. And so in that case, like we didn't have to like dumb it down or, or simplify it in, in ways that maybe if you're targeting a more like more like non-crypto native uh, like user base, like, you know, for example, like NFTs, I think they try to target people who, you know, are just hearing about NFTs from their friends or from the media, have never used crypto assets before, like don't already have like money on crypto maybe. Yeah. So for, for those kind of people, like you'd, you'd have to design for a different audience, but yeah, it's just like be very intentional about like who you're designing for and, and sort of like what their kind of like comfort level is within crypto. And then from there, like just design something that's really simple, you know, you use simple words, use, use standardized words, like in, in like DeFi, especially you have a lot of these like themed kind of products right now <laughs> where like they have like weird names for like, you know, what are farms or, or stuff like that. That's something that I'm, I, I kind of like try to like go away from. Like, I, I think like it's, it's fun, but at the same time, it's pretty confusing. Like if you're like going between different crypto apps and like, yeah, they, 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 they look different. So yeah, I think like standardization will, will be super important for, for crypto user experience. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and especially, I think, when you're trying to go mainstream, uh, which I think you're obviously still pretty early on that, you know, it took some time for crypto natives to get comfortable. And even up to a couple of months ago, you know, most of them look like Linux terminals. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so uh, in some sense, I think that that design piece is extremely important. You know, two big topics in DeFi today are sort of composability and cross-chain. You know, that's that's almost every app is, you know, kind of working to some some orientation towards those solving those two challenges. Starting with composability, you guys have done a pretty good job so far, especially in Solana. How do you guys approach in terms of prioritizing the partnerships and integrations? Because you can go pretty wide pretty quickly and maybe the thought process that help you scale up fast in prioritizing those. Yeah, I do think that, yeah, composability is actually the strongest mode in, in crypto for a protocol. Because yeah, like, like the way I think of it is like Saber isn't really an app as much as it is, it is a protocol. Um, and so the way game themes value is that like everyone is following the same protocol for how they do things. In terms of prioritization, like that's that really is like our main priority right now is like basically how can we one get ingrained with like all these different applications and two like be like the first place that people are able to like use certain applications or assets. So for example, with Saber, it's like launching assets very fast. You know, can we get like the first like <laughs> that's one of our favorite things to like write on, on our like announcement post is like, you know, launching the first like cello dollar pool on, on Solana. 
because I think there's a lot of value in, into being first in crypto, you know, especially for these things that like people have been waiting on for, for a very long time. And yeah, in terms of composability, uh, a lot of like my focus uh, is really just like helping other teams in, in the space. Like, yeah, I think like, you know, working in crypto is just like so very like new, especially coming from like a non-crypto background. And so like, how do we help these teams to, to build these applications? And at the same time, you know, how do we get them to, to integrate Sabre? Main one is like using like Sabre LP tokens uh, as like forms of collateral. So I've been working with different lending protocols. Like there's one called Parrot Finance, who uh, kind of similar to like a MakerDAO of, yeah. of Solana. Uh, they have their own like, like stable coin that's collateralized by, by different assets. And so like we work with them to basically have like Sabre LPs as one form of collateral for, for the like Pi stable coin. So yeah, definitely think it's important to, to be integrated as soon as possible. Yeah, one thing that's amazing is that at least how many projects, even though they might be competing in some sense, either today or potentially in the future, I, I've been pretty impressed with the general sort of camaraderie and kind of helping each other out because I think the right folks know that you have to grow this ecosystem yep. uh, b- before you start encroaching uh, on it uh, or cannibalizing. So uh, that's pretty pretty phenomenal. The second topic I mentioned was cross-chain, right? Which is, which is a big topic. You know, of course, we are, I think, in a multi-chain world, at least today, and foreseeable future. And every chain is growing. I said, you know, even Solana is main net beta to your point, and that is certainly true for many other newer chains and so forth. What are your plans about that? And how do you envision to be sort of the dominant AMM across chains? Yeah, maybe we'll start with that, and then we, we get into your partnership with Wormhole. I know you're going to be working on that a little bit. Yeah, I definitely do envision Sabre to be the, a very big part of, of the cross-chain future. So, you know, we're, we're not Solana maximalists. Like, I, I think that like every blockchain will have its own like community and its own use case that, that gravitate uh, towards that for whatever reason. One thing I think that, you know, Solana will play a pretty big part in is being the sort of execution layer within DeFi. So, you know, because Solana is, is so much more efficient in terms of like transaction costs, it scales better. I see a lot of like things basically happening in Solana. Maybe they originate from another, uh, another chain, like Ethereum, for example. You know, similar to like how like L2s might work, like people can bridge into Solana using like probably something like Wormhole, as you mentioned. And, you know, for like asset swaps, uh, that could be something where like they go into Solana. Uh, we support like every single different kind of like wrapped asset. And t- to get a little bit ahead of myself uh, with Wormhole, when you like bridge over assets through different bridges, uh, you end up with like different representations of, of these assets. For example, like if I like bridge like Ethereum uh, USCC over to Solana, I don't actually get like the native version of Solana, of USDC on Solana that every app is using. Um, I actually get this like Ethereum bridge version, like wrap version of USDC, which then I need to swap into the native version of Solana USDC. And so, yes, Sabre facilitates that. You know, our, our kind of like plan is that, you know, go for breadth, like supporting all these different assets. And so, you know, if you have like different wrapped assets from different bridges, as well as different wrapped ads from different blockchains, like supporting like that kind of transfer between whatever you need. And so you kind of think of it as sort of this hub where maybe it acts kind of like, like a like a central like bridge, you know, say I'm going from like Ethereum to a chain like Avalanche and bridge right now from Ethereum to Avalanche doesn't have like enough liquidity. You know, theoretically I could just go into Solana, then, you know, just transfer that within Sabre and then go into Avalanche. So yeah, I definitely see us being sort of this like liquidity hub within, within all of DeFi, not just Solana. Yeah. I mean, when you think about uh, the addressable market, I think that obviously that grows sort of exponentially as you can start thinking about multiple chains and, and so forth. And for a broader audience, you know, Wormhole, we talked about that. Wormhole is a bi-directional decentralized token bridge uh, between Solana and Ethereum, and then obviously expanding to BSC and Terra um, and hopefully and potentially more. So that, that allows this kind of token bridging and kind of movements and liquidity movements across chains. Just on that topic, Dylan, I think you, you touched upon you being partner to many projects, but in some sense, uh, you're also 
we've seen some early shades of you being a little bit of a platform. So can you share more about your roadmap? You know, we've seen some examples of apps like Sunny built on top of you in, in many ways. Do you see more opportunities like that? Uh, maybe like Phantom using you at the back end and maybe pro- providing the interface on the top or other developers building it on Sable, uh, Saber? Yeah, that definitely is our main focus right now. So yeah, I, I think Sunny is a very good example. Like they're a Yoda aggregator similar to Yearn decided to build on Saber. And then uh, within like a week of launching, they had like $3 billion of, of TBL, basically all of our TBL. And so, yeah, I, I think like, you know, there's a huge opportunity right now for, for people to be building on, on top of Saber. You know, obviously like, it's the highest TBL protocol right now in Solana. So there's just like so much like untapped liquidity people can be using for, for different applications. And I've talked to some like different teams, like for example, like Perpetual's exchanges using Saber like liquidity uh, pool, liquidity pools as like a form of collateral. You know, right now, like lending markets, I'd say like, you know, something like Compound or Aave, like there's a ton of them that just launched over the past few months. None of them are, are sort of, I'd say like a, a winner yet. They're all kind of in sort of the, the early stages. And so I definitely think like adding like Saber LPs as, as a form of collateral would be a good way to, to grow even faster. So yeah, personally, I've been spending a lot of my time on just like talking to different teams and figuring out ways we can integrate with each other. You know, apart from that, like just, you know, supporting more on this like kind of cross-chain vision. I've been working like really closely with the Wormhole team. And, you know, even apart from just like asset transfers, we're really thinking about like, you know, how can we take wormhole, which is like the wormhole protocol itself is really meant for arbitrary messages. Like asset bridging is just like one form of messaging that you can build on top of wormhole. But, you know, what if, for example, like, you know, like Terra has a really good strategy for UST where in Anchor, you can earn like 20% fixed. What if there's a way to basically send that message over through wormhole into Solana? And therefore, like the user themselves are staying in Solana um, and all their assets are in Solana. But because that message is happening, somehow you could like facilitate using a different protocol from, from the Terra blockchain. And so, yeah, those are a lot of things we're thinking about. Um, and then on the last kind of piece is, is governance. Thinking about like, you know, staking of, of the SBR token um, and how that plays in, into governance, how to decentralize this application even more, you know, how, how the DAO, DAO operates, stuff like that. Yeah, I think I, I, that was going to be sort of my next question. You know, governance is still relatively new to Solana. We haven't seen sort of that evolve as much. Uh, I think Mango is doing some good work around kind of the early incarnations of that. What is your roadmap around that? Are, where are you kind of in that process and, you know, things that you can share or or, or if, if not, then, you know, maybe just kind of an early view on to what you want to get to? Yeah, yeah. Huge shout out to the Mango team. I'd say yeah, their, their uh, DAO product is like, extremely polished. I'd say like, yeah, I, I think like our sort of DAO model will, will fall kind of similarly to, to how theirs works. You know, sort of like learning also from like Compound, like Governor Alpha, Governor Bravo. I think that's the direction that we want to take for, for the DAO. In terms of, yeah, kind of like how that plays with our token as well. SBR is, is a governance token and I see it working maybe in a similar way to like Beaker, where you stake this token and then it's kind of like this like membership now for being part of the DAO. You can like vote on proposals. Um, you can vote on like they have these different gauges, which is like how many like, liquidity mining incentives go to each different pool. Yeah, those are all things that, that we're thinking of and have like started kind of in the early process of, of building and hopefully can get all this stuff out like within the next few months. You know, on the surface, it, it, it will look to everyone that you guys grew really fast, you know, 4 billion TBL in no time, but I'm sure there are a lot of challenges at the back end, uh, sleepless nights. Uh, and I know when we've talked a couple of times, you, you've just been running around you know, can you share some of the challenges uh, as well? Uh, you know, apart from all the positives here, how did you guys, you know, what you guys went through? Uh, maybe some horror stories. Yeah, cr- crypto is a really unique place to, to build in just because it's so much more open, right? You know, and also, especially if you have like a live token, you have people who actually have some sort of like interest that's, you know, more than just being a fan, like they actually have a part of, of your network. And so, 
it's it's been a pretty interesting journey, I'd say. Definitely dealing with you know community and, and all that. In terms of like actual horror stories, I'd say we've only had kind of like one like pretty major issue when we wrote our initial like program for for liquidity mining. The way the calculations worked is that there was a kind of a rounding error. Like different assets within Saber have like different like numbers of decimal points, and because of that, like once you get into like really big amounts, those like different kind of like rounding error uh, issues can can get kind of big. And so you know, as like the Saber TDO grew, like for pools like USDC, USDT, uh, which like grew really really fast, like the amount of like SBR rewards that people were receiving weren't as like high as, as they should be because of that rounding error. And so yeah, the, the way to fix it was, you know, we actually had already been planning on, on migrating our farm contracts to this protocol called Quarry Protocol. And like we talked about this kind of in the beginning as well. Like we really see like everyone kind of adopting these same like protocol standards. That way it's easier to integrate. So like some, for, you know, Sunny, the, the yield aggregator, like they could easily integrate new farms if all of them are using the same like Quarry standard. Whereas right now they're kind of like treating uh, as, like Saber as like this kind of like one-to-one thing that they had to build like, a very like custom integration for. And so we already plan on, mo- on moving to Quarry Protocol, but yeah, this, this sort of like kind of bug um, accelerated that. And you know, luckily it wasn't any kind of like really breaking bug. And right now we're actually like finishing the code for, for an airdrop to basically give the missing like SBR tokens to those people who are yield farming in the pools. But yeah, I mean, that's something I think it's just like, you know, like code has, has bugs. It's, it's kind of inevitable. And it's about choosing, you know, like what are kind of like the right bugs to focus on at the time, most namely like security of the actual like assets locked itself. As I say, it's it's hard to hide in crypto. It, it, you know, the community is out there, the code's out there. So you know, obviously, uh, but uh, but in some sense, that keeps you on your toes and uh, for and sure, sort of extreme extreme bureaucracy. You know, maybe uh, kind of the the last question I had for today was, you know, you it seems that you're already in the minds of leveraging your experience with Saber to build more and support more projects. Uh, I think you've shared publicly about uh, Ship Capital. Can you share more about? What is Ship Capital? What kind of opportunities are you pursuing and so forth? Yeah. So Ship Capital is uh, sort of this like kind of like, I guess like more formal group uh, we created for things we're doing, already doing ourselves. So yeah, like from, you know, building like Sabre um, and then also Ubiswap is in the protocol that, that we were kind of in the early stages of, which is an, an AMM on Celo. You know, we, we learn a lot about what it kind of takes to, to actually launch a, a protocol, you know, get the initial community running, you know, decentralize it further. And so yeah, I want to basically take those learnings into helping a lot more like early protocols out. Right now, we're really focused on the Solana ecosystem. It's where we like feel like we can like provide the most value right now. And so, just been working with a lot of different early teams to to help them on on whatever's kind of missing with, within their team. Yeah, like, I, I think you know a lot of teams right now like there's you know people who are good at develop good at developing, people who are good at tokenomics at, at different parts of it. Really, the idea of ship capital is like how can we fill the gaps in order to like make this protocol really successful early on. And yeah, like really excited about that. Mostly focused in the DeFi space, although we have been exploring other things within like NFTs and crypto gaming, which especially I'm, I'm interested in. So yeah, hope we have a lot of like cool shift capital projects launching in, in the next couple of months. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dylan, for today. Obviously phenomenal conversation and uh, uh, we would love to have you back as, as you build and, uh, and deliver more. Thank you. Awesome, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this month's episode of The Jump Off Point, an original podcast by Jump Capital. If you have an idea for the show or know of someone who would make a great guest, please contact podcast at jumpcap.com. Thank you.